Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Trees and No Plots. I am your DM and host, as always, Adam Cookson, and I am joined tonight by my two co-hosts, Matt Dennis and Flo Dennis. And Bunkle has abandoned us because he does not have the time this evening. Sad. Fail. Fail. Yeah, I know, right? Fail. No commitment at all. Just, no just, just, How many just, episodes has he missed, though? We say this every I mean, single time. Like, like he's vir- missed. He's missed virtually two. Yeah. <laughs> that lazy bastard. I know. And, and, but the thing is, the thing is, we, we've we've had to continue recording for the ones he's missed. Whereas you, you guys don't know how many we've missed because we didn't record those ones. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> like, it's like if it, it. I mean, we're more of a chance of one of us being ill. Like if if Bunkle's ill, like we'll try and push through or whatever. But if like there's chance of us both not being able to do it, so it's like. Mm. Well, that's the thing, because because it's because we're we're a couple and we have kids. No, it's we're like, not a couple. Well, we have kids. Um, <laughs> we, one of us, one of us, generally, generally, if the kids are ill, we, we're both off, and that 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 takes it down to just Bunkle and Cookson. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, yeah. if you two both go down, I don't want to play two additional characters. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, we, yeah, you. <laughs> You got married and we had some time off, but literally Matt and I fucked off for six months and had a kid. Yeah, I mean, we, like... we, we we had a kid though, right? I mean, yeah, Bunkle had a kid just, and he still he took like one episode off, love. But it's just him. <laughs> yeah, okay, I mean, it's, I it's, it's it. not it's not his wife as well, you know. <laughs> Clearly, you guys should have tag teamed for the episode. Like one of you plays both characters for the first half an hour and the other one for the second half an hour. That would that actually would have been hilarious, and that sounds like a great idea at some point. Yeah, I need to give like your character some sort of amnesia mechanic where you have no short-term memory and just swap you. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, amazing. That doesn't sound messy at all. No, it sounds hilarious. Though, so maybe, maybe for a one-shot. <laughs> uh, and if you can't tell, listeners, the reason why we're rambling is because this is not a regular episode of GTMP. No, 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 no. As you have seen from the title when you clicked it. This is a recap. We're going to chat about all the shit that went on in Arc 2. Because a lot of shit went on in Arc 2. I, I don't even honest. know, Cookson. I don't know. You're uh, just going to be talking at me now. Quite quite, quite yeah. a lot of shit happened in Arc 2, but the trouble is, is that Arc 2, for us, recording, happened quite a long time ago, actually, or at least the bits that we're going to start talking about. Yeah. Um, there, there are definitely some memorable bits, which I'm sure even Flo will remember when Dad, they come up. It. <laughs> uh, something something swan thought... boat something something yeah yes yes <laughs> there were some moments some standouts i think um but yeah those of you who listen to our show regularly know we did actually do a little mini recap i think it was actually after we'd had one of those breaks where we uh, were away for a little while we did a mini recap of our two so we won't go into a huge amount of detail on the uh, parts that that episode covered but we will touch on everything because uh Hey, maybe using this episode as you're jumping on point and you're wondering what the fuck are these weirdos doing on this show? Well, hopefully we can answer those questions and more. I mean, it's 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 just just chatting shit, but slightly more focused than it'll be today, basically. Yeah, normally there's occasionally dice. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, D- digital dice. We we play on roll yeah. twenty. Sometimes uh, yeah. people die. Some yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And Flo gets but very not- upset about it and annoyed at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, physically, physically sick over mm. NPCs who die. Mm. 
Yeah. Way too attached, though. Way too attached. It's it's his brain that I'm living in. Just let me (laughs) feel what I feel, mate. God. Yeah, I think there's a there's a bit of a bit of Tommy's callousness in me, really, when it comes to stuff like that. Although although there are some deaths we we, we probably do need to touch on um, that that may have slightly larger impacts. Yeah, some bigger than others, some more important, yeah. some dumber. Yeah, some dumber. We get to talk about that, and he can't say shit because he's not here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we- we can touch on a few things, because those of you who did listen to Ork 2, or maybe bits and pieces, um, obviously, whenever you write uh, a section of a campaign, especially one of these longer-running ones, you can't really plan for everything, right? You just sort of throw out some ideas in a vague structure and say, okay, this is roughly where I want the party to head, and if they want to do that, they'll do that. If they do something else, maybe something else will happen. You know, you try to react, write something that's reactive, right? Like, so you guys don't feel like you're on rails the whole way through. And obviously you might come with up with an idea and I'm like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, we're doing that now. Like that's the new path that you guys are going to forge because that just sounds cool. But sometimes you have certain plans in place and a fucking spanner gets thrown into the works and it all goddamn collapses. And then you go, well, doing something else now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, calling Bunkle a spanner there is probably not wrong. <laughs> 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 yes. awful. absolutely awful i don't know why you give him so much leverage and so much so autonomy he's not allowed autonomy because it's funny it is funny and, and and let's be honest the reason most of the t- time we just let him his plans go ahead is because hey this, this is for you listeners this this, this we, we all yeah. think you know what this is going to be funny whatever happens and they were normally right so yeah <laughs> The thing is, as a DM, Bunkle is a fun player to DM for because he is a creative person, but he is also a person who has no concept that what he's doing might be bad. So he will come with an idea and he'll be like, can I do this? And I'll say, yes, yes, you can. You can, but it doesn't mean you should every single time. Never has a should been asked. Never has a consequence been thought. Exactly. He embodies the, eh, it'll be all right kind of mindset my, of some players kind, kind of my my problem is is as the opposite at least if i'm if i'm not just just being tommy because tommy's a bit more like yeah yeah we fine fuck it whatever but me as a player i'm a bit more like but if i do that then that'll happen now i can't do that but then if we go down that route then that might happen and i'm pretty sure cookson's got a plan for that if we do that so my metagaming <laughs> that i'm trying to ignore all the time is screaming at me and normally screams at me every time bunkle opens his mouth um, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, why don't you stop me? Why don't you stop me? It's like, because how is my character supposed to stop you, dude? I mean, there's, to, to there's be... nothing in me. Like, if I want to metagame it, I'd be like, no, you fucking plank, we're not doing that. <laughs> and but... occasionally, we do have to say that. But <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, how am I supposed to say, actually, uh, Dick or or Rogar, you're being an absolute tool? Why am I being a tool? <laughs> I don't know because reasons, and you're an idiot. <laughs> it's because it's, it's because like it's, it's at least up till kind of up till a point which we'll get to, I guess, when we we discuss how our motivations change somewhat as our characters. Really, like, fairly not not selfish, but but their their worldview is quite small still. Um, both both Sophia and Tommy have kind of been written as characters that really have quite quite straightforward motivations. They're not sort of swayed by great 
kind of groundbreaking world ending changes really they kind of get swept up into events and try and make the best decisions they can when they're there but they're not really kind of forward planners no uh, much you know which, which is kind of weird seeing who Flo is as a person. Oh my goodness, character. I've planned your life out until your cremation, mate. I know you want to be buried, but you're being cremated, okay? Right. No, I'm, I'm getting buried. I want to get dug up by some weird archaeologists in like hundreds of years' time. That's going to be cooked in. What, he's oh, going to live that life? His brain. I'm definitely, I'm definitely building a mausoleum if I'm not a brain <laughs> like one way or the other. Yeah, but no, as a character, I, I, no, it's very hard for me to not be like planning every single thing and trying yeah, this... to work on the fly. This this is the thing. This is because because of because of like the characters we picked and the way they they kind of developed and the way their personalities work. And they are quite different to us in a lot of ways. So so it's very difficult. To, you don't really want to change their personalities because they work as as who they are. Um, but also it does mean that you then kind of whereas whereas so far at least particularly with Rogar, he was very much a uh, planning character who had ideas and grand schemes. Mm. And we weren't the kind of characters to stop him or stand in his way or step in or even join him and work alongside yeah. him. We were literally the kind of characters who went, what the fuck is he up to now? Oh, who gives a shit? Yeah. Kind of thing. And that's, that. That's you know, it's difficult to, there, there really wasn't any way of, that we could step in and, and stop him. Well, stop him. not that we thought of. Yeah. I mean, not, 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 that, not that made sense for our characters to do so. They just wouldn't care. Yeah. Until the ramifications raise their heads, and I think that's mm. again that's something that has kind of changed as as, as we progressed along a little bit, thanks to kind of external facets, as it were, because we 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 weren't really going to change on our own. So um, no, so some 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 kind of external motivation had to come in, and that's really always because because we are reactive. We, yes. we 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 need something to react to against, and you know. Uh, I, I guess as a DM, you kind of realize that and give us things that we can react against because. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting because you want, especially in like these long campaigns, you want characters to experience growth in one way or another, right? Because what you put to paper in session zero or session one is not going to be what you look like at the end of the campaign, but you want it to look natural and to make sense and that there's still an essence of the character that's flown all the way through it that they've changed because of the experiences. And yeah, like you say, like your characters were written to be very, okay, this is our world. This is what we know. This is what we're going to deal with. And we don't really care about anything outside of that. So to change that and to give you stimulus for that change, it's okay. Well, then I'm going to change what the world around you looks like. Then how do you react when your when your bubble of the world comes crashing down? What does this character do? Do they, mm-hmm give up do they just fall over and say nope can't deal with it or do they strive to push forward and take on a new reality because i think what's i think what's interesting is i think like the personality traits that tommy and sophia have haven't so much changed but you've changed how you apply them like you still care about the things you care about like from tommy for example like he started off he only cared about his gang he only cared about like making sure that he was in a good position and like he had a bit of money and he was, you know, secure and important enough without being too important. Cause I don't think he was much of like a leadership kind of guy, but he wanted mm-hmm. to feel safe and rounded. Whereas now we've taken away a lot of those like comforts, but you've still got the idea of like your party has become your gang. You still want to control where things go and kind of like steer people in, 
your moral direction, not necessarily a good or a bad one, but like you want to tread the line and kind of be like, look, we're not going to be goody two shoes here, but we don't want to be like sacrificing people and like summoning up eldritch entities and shit like that. Like, you know, you, you kind of, you push that way and change how your perspective works based on the world. Like in the past, that might've been, I'm not going to side with corrupt politicians and the government and guards. And like, I'm not going to go to the more violent gangs, but now it's like, okay, well, we're not going to side with the evil fucking wizards. All right. <laughs> There's yeah, a line yeah. here and that line yeah. may have got longer, but it's not shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's very much kind of how I see his progressions going on. It's, it is, he has developed this family of um, kind of different, all, all these kind of misfits that have ended up as part of the party, really. And, um, you know, he, he, he will and has repeatedly risked his life for them as, as they have for him. So it becomes that kind of close-knit team, as you hope kind of most D&D parties will, really, unless they're going to splinter off. I think Rogar was the hardest one to reconcile with. Because if the chips were down, yeah, you'd have his back and he'd have yours. And, th- and there is even a moment, and maybe we'll talk about this more in the Shabroom River section, where Tommy could and would potentially have done something very stupid. Mm. Um, Which time? A t- time when he knew it was something stupid, <laughs> I think. Um, and that, I mean, those those of you who have who have listened before, that's that's the moment where Tommy thinks about um, taking a shot at the Hell Knight to um, try and divert, divert his attention away from Rogar for a moment and potentially cause death to everybody there or potentially rescue Rogar. The very, 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 very slim possibility of that one. But you ha- you, you, it contemplates it for a second as in like, because cause there is there is a still a lot of kind of, it's not trust, but there is a sense of loyalty there. Yeah, I don't know I think, why. Just... I think the trust... I think because because there, there there were lots and lots of moments, yeah. Although, uh, as as kind of the reasons for us to stay together got more more and more tenuous as uh, kind of the arc went on, there were you know there was always times when he'd risked his life for us. There were always times when we'd risked yeah, his life for him. Okay. Okay. Um, apart apart from kind of you know being a usual dick about it, when when it was Tommy's bad day, the chips were down and he just turned up and everything had gone to shit. He was straight up running along with us, risking his life again to um, to try and rescue Tommy's um, kind of friends and allies from the city. Hmm. And that's, you know, and that, that's... Sorry, I was going to say, I mean, that, that brings us on to our first sort of section here. So the arc of Arc 2 opened with Tommy's bad day, and yeah, the chips were down, Valmin's disappeared, you've got some sort of serial killer stalker looking over your shoulder, bad shit's happening everywhere and you're kind of given a bit of a puzzle to hunt through and yeah you're right rogar though he'd only just returned himself did join up with you guys he had honestly not that much reason to other than just keeping you sweet but he stood by you went through the fire and the flames and all the rest of it even when tommy got exploded <laughs> yep 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 i mean it, it very much lives up to its sort of mini name that we've given it tommy's bad day it was a pretty pretty shitty start to the arc really for tom um, an arc that I don't think actually has really got much better for him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can talk about everyone else's kind of stories through that arc and how things have changed for them. And that, I mean, Sophia's had some, a pretty bad time as well, particularly ar- around Solara. Oh, um, yes, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but, and obviously, uh, Rogar maybe had the worst time of all. Um, but still, it's yeah it's it's been this kind of series of bad. never 
yeah, yeah, of, of never quite being all right. You know, yeah, every time things things, something else. things start to look up, it dips, and I think that's the case with, with you know, and that that makes it an interesting, compelling story. But it that there there were moments in sort of um, arc one where kind of everything was all right with the world, you know. Mm. Uh, we got to choose which path we were going to go through. Yeah. Like, are we going to go do this task first or this task? Whereas now it's like, right, we need to do this, but how the fuck are we going to do it? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing as well. Is the, the pressure's really ramped up, and I think I think you've done a really good job as a DM in in kind of making us very aware of how much the pressure's ramped up. You know, as as the more things are revealed, it's become seri- more and more serious. But also, like with with Arc One, we had a fairly simple job. It was take out Kren. I mean, that doesn't, you know, it's not simple, simple, because, you know, you're still overthrowing, like, um, the government of a uh, of a city-state, effectively. It's not mm. not not just trivial, but, um, but not like kill, again, kill, we kill were, rats were, in the basement. We were but, agents of, of a bigger movement. Exa- you know? Exactly. You know, we, we are the movement now. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, we were, we were, we, we had a set list of tasks, and it was, mm. it was a good kind of entryway for, for those well, I mean, all of us hadn't played D and D in a long time. Uh, some of us had never played D and D before, so it was a good way to kind of ramp up the difficulty and the decisions by me- making it a little bit more on rails in a sense of the- these are the up- like things you need to complete. But obviously, the way we went about them was different. Mm-hmm. And then, as that's kind of changed, and we we've, we've moved out of Varadin um, into the wider world, there was almost a sense there of a bit of struggle because it wasn't quite so obvious we had a kind of tentative aim really of finding um finding the fortress and that was really it and we weren't really sure what to do with ourselves i think for a little while and that's good because it it made made us kind of question what we wanted to do and it made us thrash around a little bit and then once we've kind of got there you know there was was almost like a kind of pause of it of everything going a bit kind of the pressure was off we wouldn't have didn't have anything to solve right at that point but we were still on the run and then kind of from that point really from from even being attacked in the the fortress and in the forest rather and getting further and further further into that into the streaming river camp uh, and then going off uh to find the heart things have just been kind of the pace and the tension and this kind of the threat has only got bigger So, um, I yeah. thought the Crimson Tongue was quite a big threat, but it's really, really not anymore. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That that's that's kind of you know this the season one villains um, when you encounter them a few seasons later, uh, <laughs> they're still a threat. Don't get me wrong, but they're not. You know, but they're, they're not big the ba- big bad. Yeah, we 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 know about we know a lot more about the big bad now, and we know just how big and just how bad. Well, at least as much as we can possibly fathom with our tiny. And, and um, when you were talking about brains. the dome and, and getting away from Veridin, I've forgotten, like, yeah, there were the angels and everything. Are we, and we're hoping it's all tied in. Yeah. But we've not done anything to to do anything about it. We haven't have really we? had time. And I think that's, that's been the case as well. It's, it's not just, we're not just like the kind of the fact that things have been ramping up, but the time pressure has been ramping up as well. Mm. And so we kind of reached a, a little bit of a crisis, really. Um, again, something we'll probably come on to a bit later on. Uh, where we just realised we don't have the resources to do what we need to do in time. I mean, the DM has not given us the resources. <laughs> to do what we need to do. I mean, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's not it's not it's not that necessary. I mean, jokes aside, it's it's more the fact that 
we haven't taken the threat seriously enough. Mm. And we always thought not... someone would help us or be it, there. Ex- or exactly. Whatever. We 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 kind of we've gone from being like the the hired help, really. Mm, definitely. The 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 um the mercenaries that are taken on board to trying to effectively lead some kind of resistance. But we aren't we, we have a few big problems against us really in that. In we're one, not charismatic. We we we, we yeah, we, we we're not charismatic and we don't we haven't formed any alliances kind of with any major powers that can really help us outside of Varadin. We've got we, we had some pretty good alliances in Arc One, but when that kind of as you said and you kind of strip that away from our characters to give us a bit of growth and that was that was great and a real opportunity but then we we struggled to make any real alliances and we there were potential alliances we could have made but the decisions we made pushed us away from those are you talking about just embracing the dark lord our savior no i'm actually i'm actually the, the one the one that the one that springs to mind had we approached it differently and obviously this relies heavily on what bunkle decided to do uh, with Shimmering River, is that there was a potential option to try and diplomatically resolve that and mm. see if we could maybe work alongside the Orcs. Mm. And that's, yeah. that, that, that's, but that's, that's something that I kind of realised afterwards. I think there's, a, there's, a, there's always that kind of sense that, you know, here's, here's what we can see ahead of us, right? We've already been in fights with the Orcs. We know that they're our enemies. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to infiltrate. And it was a... I say myself, I think it was still a pretty good plan, the original plan. But it wasn't the only way we could have tried to resolve that. And I think if we'd been thinking more on the idea that we ha- we, we sort of came on to later about making alliances and starting to think bigger than just our party, maybe we would approach that differently. There is nothing bigger than our party. Our party is the best thing ever since sliced bread. Do they have sliced bread in this? In this... I'm going to say no. That's why we're saying repressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's slavery and stuff, but the real problem is sliced bread. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah, be no, the I... invented, Sophia. <laughs> I could be. I could be. Yeah, you, you are a, a noble, just sitting in a house all day, thinking of things. That's what, exactly what I do. I don't do fuck all. I'm very pasty white and clean as a mm. button. Exactly. You get really, really pissed off with your servants because you ask for a slice of bread and it takes them five minutes to cut the bread. Yeah, yeah. Ah, mm. <sighs> need to do better. <laughs> Yeah, they do. But yeah, it's a, let's move things on. Because as I say, we kind of covered these early, early episodes in another, sh- another uh, recap. But yeah, we, we started with Tommy's bad day and we moved into the fall of Baradin. Uh, the way Tommy's bad day ended up was obviously his uh, his old friend and sort of father figure, Valman, was abducted by our uh, friends over at the firm. Kind of instigated by a, a character who had been needling Tommy a bit for reasons that weren't super clear, but uh, Deathstalker Lorik, our old friend, who was apparently a little bit more dangerous than you guys had realized to begin with, he'd uh, arranged for Valman to be removed from the picture and kind of set off in his own direction. And then the firm took Valman and they headed off in a completely different direction. And Tommy was left a little bit stuck, really. You didn't, you couldn't go after either of them. You kind of, you gave all the fight you could on that day and it ended as it ended and you were exhausted and tired and you just, you couldn't fight any longer. And then I think the next day afterwards, Varadin itself collapsed upon you all. The angels of the divine hand, a, uh, an empire to the South of Varadin, um, invaded. It seemed 
they thought that Varadin was basically the the melting pot of evil, where all of this cult activity was going on, that they were existing there to uh, undermine the rule of the gods and the divine hand is very much on the side of a godly order. Sophia might actually get on quite well with them if they ever stop to have a conversation. But, uh, yeah, they, they would yeah. not talk to me. Uh, they might. Depends who you ask. But um, yes, the ones that came to Varadin seem very incensed and very big on the whole smiting, not so big on the whole talking aspect of it, which might have had a reason. You don't know. But it all kind of went to chaos in Varadin because at the same time, Yig, the father of serpents, was also summoned via other means because of fucking Rogar, I think we can say. <laughs> <laughs> so a great old one appeared and started fighting the angels at the same time as a dome then enveloped the city, which was triggered by the Crimson Tongue, our old friend, who you guys already mentioned, but she was a, a kind of recurring antagonist throughout Arc 1 and then... It seems that everything she'd been building towards was this ritual that allowed the city to be effectively removed from the material plane. Like, it's in a dome and no one seems to be able to get into it. No communication or scrying that you've tried has gone through. But it took your home away from you and uh, you weren't in a position to go back. Because obviously the surrounding area of Aradin was crawling with enemy troops and they weren't probably going to be down for a conversation at that point in time given that all the generals had just been locked inside a dome and a lot of their friends too to be fair so you guys fled and you went seeking a new home on the way you uh, stopped into a lovely little uh, town good tourist attraction known as blood home yeah and, i mean uh, i wanted to invest in property there but no one would let me okay can we can we can we, can we pause back a little just a tiny bit to tommy's um Tommy's little, little, little start, start change of who he was a bit when he went in to mm. rescue the family inside the um, inside the burning building. Yeah, I, don't anyone, I, I just only want to no touch on cares, it a little bit. I just, I just want to touch on it a little bit because that was that was a little bit of character development for Tommy in something that he probably wouldn't have done pr prior to the fall. But I think with everything going on and kind of we rescued a fair few people turned upside down. I think they, there was there was a few moments there. What well, one of him working alongside the guards. Um, something that he probably would never have even considered doing previously uh, to try and rescue as many people as we could from the city and then um, yeah then actually uh, kind of going in and trying to save someone from a burning building which just you know maybe he'd have helped with a bucket chain or something back in the day <laughs> but he wouldn't have um, kind of actually gone and risked his own life to save someone and that I think was a bit of a change and it, it kind of felt natural at the time that that Perhaps with with his world turned upside down, seeing so many people die kind of so senselessly, you know, if th there'd been a kind of enough bloodshed at that point. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great moment for change because Tommy, he's a gang member. He's killed people, sure. Like, it's, there's blood on his hands, but it's it's small scale, right? It's, you know, someone's wronged the uh, the gang and you know, it's gone too far and now it's ended in bloodshed. Sure, like maybe you were a little desensitized to that, but it's very different when you recontextualize that into what was effectively an invasion. It was a war. It was something that you were all kind of dragged briefly into and seeing the senseless killing of civilians, guards, soldiers, angels, like that's that's not normal. That's not the regular day-to-day 
like sure when you guys have been attacked you respond in self-defense or maybe you try to get the drop on someone you know is dangerous but it's very different to suddenly be in right smack dab in the middle of two opposing sides who are uh, willing to slaughter each other on uh, the grand scale there yeah i mean up, up until that point kind of as you say it's always been a way for tommy to rationalize the killing i'm guessing that's probably the same for sophia as well you know you just you you killed a lot of people recently but it's but it's always been kind of in self-defense or or yeah exactly or or preparing for like like we know they're a threat then we know that they they would do us harm if they had the chance so even those times we we've sort of instigated it's always been a case of like you know there was it was it was, it was always justified or justifiable to our to our characters yeah and that yeah That's that really really bad people justify it they love of course it is. I mean, I, I'm not saying that our characters. There, there is no way you can say that our characters are good people. No. You know, if 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 our characters existed in this world, they would be in jail, um, <laughs> and we would all be glad of it. But you know, they they're, they're not good, but they are. They they have their own moral code, and I think that that kind of just that experience there of being in a war, um, or being sort of in a, in an assault on a city, which is kind of kind of some of the most brutal type of war as well is um was really kind of eye-opening for them and you know maybe change their perspective a little bit on on killing and death in general at least for a short time so we got the blood home <laughs> i mean blood home i'd kill everybody they just need to come <laughs> at me and and they would die yeah i mean blood blood home was was a fun place it was a it was it was a in in it for a, for a listening perspective and a looking back perspective for our characters it was not fun no um but it was it was we an interest yeah we did but it was an interesting kind of diversion it was something very different to what we had to face before what fighting so, light yeah i mean but but also just just fighting the kind of the the cult like populace um kind of things things we didn't understand Things we couldn't understand, really. Uh, kind of uh, a mystery town, ominous. It was very, yeah. I mean, you know, I can I can always see your um, Lovecraftian influences, Cookson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt if that 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 felt like a really good opportunity to kind of just uh, delve right into it, delve right into that kind of uh, uneasy sense that something's not quite right, but you're not quite sure what it is. And we kept that yeah. like, kept that like going for a while, which is sort of gradually being drawn into something that was going to turn horrifying, and it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah I, I I I do like Blood Home. It's probably one of my favorite little bits of arc two. To be fair, I I had a lot of fun writing it. I had a lot of fun uh, when we ran it, and. Yeah, I, I like having a little bit of mystery around, well, what's actually going on here? Like, okay, maybe we can sort of see who the villains are, or at least who might, some of them might be. But what is this curse that's happening? Why is everyone fucked up? Why is everyone willing to go along with this? What's really pulling the strings? Like, that that's a lot of fun to me. And I, as, I'm glad it was fun for you guys to play through, because uh, that's the sort of thing I quite like, like... You don't know where it's going to end up. And I think the final fights we got out of it, the the one against Father Eli, the uh, head of the cult, and the one against the color out of space, I think both were tough fights, especially when the Mayor Bertrand came into it as well with his big monster form at the end of the Father Eli Oh, section. yeah. Yeah. Uh, he I was, did enjoy that. <laughs> he was pretty horrifying. But yeah, I think I think, you know, 
we've always we've always found it easier, and I think I think you do, don't you, playing D and D, fighting something that you can hit. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, yeah. Eventually, we we worked out we could hit the color out of space as well, but um, for 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 a long time, probably probably rather too long, maybe for some of you listeners out there who might have been screaming at us. Um, <laughs> we were um, we were really stupid. kind of really well stupid because we were we were stumped, and yeah thinking back it was it was a lot of fun to be in that situation but but it, it was also very frustrating and i think it was it was it was a good kind of frustration you know we weren't just like screaming but we were really kind of like we just don't know what to do how do you fight a color kind of, um, going backwards and forth well, like... we, we, we we kept we kept having ideas that might work and they didn't and it was like <laughs> fuck, what do we do now oh. um, and it, on his bat he had a bat, yeah. didn't he? I forgot about that. Dwayne. 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 Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I I thought that was a fun boss fight because it's it's a it's a fight that's set up like it's hard because you, there's so many ways that you can't hurt it, and it has kind of an inbuilt mechanic of like it's a ticking clock fight, right? Like it's draining your stats. It's not doing that much outright damage, but every time it hits you, it takes something from you. It's very vampiric as a creature, and yeah, it's just like, how do you get around that? How do you beat its defenses? What's the trick to this fight to make it work? And eventually, you guys did. You did uh, get through it all, though it did get very close, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, it did. Yeah, it did definitely. But it was, yeah, it was, it was fun, and it was, it was tough. But um, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. That probably that I, I certainly found in Dreamlands, and I think uh, that. Kind of going back, you know, only to just to touch on Dreamlands a little bit, just to say that listening to that gave me a real impression of what it's like. You know, it's it's totally different when you're listening to a podcast that you don't partake in, because you know you you may be screaming at it, but ultimately you, you know you have no agency over it. But when it's the people you know playing the podcast you play, and you're listening in and you're going, "Why are you not doing this? Oh my god, it's so obvious." <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you just you just don't in the moment because because you are having to make those split second decisions you are having to kind of just go with what's happening in front of you and yeah sometimes you just you know listening back you think oh why didn't we try that much earlier it's really obvious now but you just you just don't know at the time you just you just do the best you can and yeah it it, it did get very very close at, at, towards the end but we um yeah we survived as normal. It took a Just. lot out of us, though. It did. I mean, it it took us such a long time to get back to normal. Yeah, I mean, really, it was it was only. It really um, fucked up a lot of our like our fights from then on. It was only really meet, meeting Rurik that we've actually come back from that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty recent. Yeah. Um, In the grand scheme um, of everything. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it fe- it affected Sophia way more as well. Yeah. Because of the stats, oh, yeah. it affected. Whereas for, for Tommy, you know, it, it affected the amount of grip points he had. But you know, but it didn't stop you from bitching about it like it was the worst thing in the world. No, I didn't bitch about it quite as much as the time that that um, I had those gloves stuck to my hands. <laughs> <laughs> that really fucked me up. Yeah. <gasps> oh god. That was also Loric. That was fun. Loric torturing you. Loric's such a fucking dick. Was I that on it. pod? I don't but... think that was on pod, was it? I don't remember anymore. Might I don't, don't remember. Uh, if if it wasn't on pod, a, a, a very very short recap. I woke up somehow uh, after one of um, the many dreams in a room, 
with with some stuff to investigate. And one of the things I investigated uh, happened to contain some gloves. And the room was locked. I couldn't get out of the room. There was no way I could budge the door. I tried everything else in the room. I was suspicious of the gloves. I tried everything else. And then I put the gloves on and um, I could open it. But then what did they do again? They fused to your hands. And if you tried to remove them, they'd kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they also yeah. reduced my decks or something, did they? Or, something or... like that, yeah. Like they yeah, limited that was pre-pod, your decks and strength or something. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so they completely fucked basically my, with my ability to fight. So, yeah, Tommy's mission from then on was fuck everything else. I want these gloves off. Um, yeah. And I think that was entirely in character. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is kind of maybe a little bit of a precursor of Cookson taking away the, um, the very reason for that those characters can do anything at all <laughs> that we've found has, uh, has r- rather rematerialized in Solara. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, <laughs> getting on to Solara after the evils of blood home were banished and the cult defeated. And in theory, the people set back to a uh, normal, the curse, hopefully soon gone, not long afterwards, you guys set off to, uh, meet, uh, a guy that we've only met one time, our friend, the wizard Oswald, a uh, rather grumpy gentleman living in a animated uh, tower. And he kind of gave you a bit more of the, the wider scope of the world of what was going on. So this was kind of where we introduced you guys to some of the other things that had happened, kind of the history and maybe just how dire the world could get if things were left to be unchecked. Now, at this point in time, you had Rogar with you, and obviously he was quite happy hearing all this information, but you guys probably less so. Yeah, this is where it started to hit home that oh shit, things could go yeah. quite badly if we don't at least try. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I hearing this oh. prophecy and, and knowing that anything that changes it centers along us, and there was it it made it sound a lot more morbid and a lot more dire. Um, probably put more fire in us to actually fucking get off our asses. Yeah, well that 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 that's right. That's what I was talking talking about earlier, where we just kind of didn't have. We were a little bit aimless, yeah. Up until this point, really, in, in Arc Two, we didn't really know, uh, except obviously Rogar, who who had an aim. He he had very clear aims of what he wanted to achieve. To fuck us over. Uh, the, 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 the the fact that he was mad meant that the way he went about those aims was kind of perhaps not how you necessarily expect him to tackle them. Mm. But but yeah, he 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 was he did have clear aims. But the rest, us two, we were really kind of not lost but like didn't really have a focus or a goal our goals were still tied to things we couldn't do anything about i mean i I wanted to get valmin back but i didn't even have the first idea of what to do with that uh i sort of i think i tried to find out a bit more information about that when we were here i think also this is probably the thing that broke tommy when it comes to magic as well (laughs) (laughs) he's you know, his his from from his kind of original underworld perspective on magic of cheap tricks, it um to to, to come to this point is is mentally jarring, but to the point that it just doesn't matter anymore. Like it it would weird Tommy out earlier on, but going to a place like that was just like, nah, it's fine, it's fucked, whatever. I don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, you get to a point where your brain just stops computing it, and you just go, yeah, yeah. The world's crazy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was crazy times because this uh, 
also, I think, introduce you guys to the idea that maybe your enemies were way, way more organized than you might have considered up to that point. Yeah. Oswald was the one who told you that, yeah, no, it's not just like a bunch of weird nerdy wizards sat in a cave somewhere. No, they have like organizations and networks and they've infiltrated a shitload of stuff. They have their own like initiate program because Oswald was part of it at one point. And yeah, there, there was a lot lined up against you guys that you were suddenly becoming witness to. You kind of realized that both the Crimson Tongue and Illustra's roles in Varadim was pretty much just the the tip of the tentacle, as we could say. Oh, abs- abs- absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like someone coming to you with irrefutable proof that the Illuminati is completely real. Mm. And they are, in a, they are running the entire world, and you have absolutely no hope of defeating them. But you're going to have to try. Do your best. Yeah, pretty much. And, 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 and that not only that they are way more organized, they have an army. They, have, they are fully prepared, but they are also so far down their plan as well of world domination. Of not just world domination, world annihilation. Everything annihilation. It's kind of like... It's like, well, well and good, yes, they're your enemies, they're, they're against you, but they're, they're in their end game, or they're pretty much there. That's the, yeah, that's the re- really kind of really, te- really terrifying thing. And that's, and even then, I don't think we quite grasped it as much as we, we would later, but we really are kind of, because we still, at this point, we, we kind of grasped the magnitude, but we didn't know what we could do about it. I mean, really? I don't know what we could do about it now, let alone back then. We, we we have we have we have some idea now at least we have some ideas. We are progressing. Make friends down and socialize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How to lose friends and alienate people. <laughs> That's what Bunkle does. With, with, hey, with well, a, and and yeah, and yet and yet somehow he still had more friends than we did. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That really <laughs> Rogo was surprisingly popular. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, because he tried to make a deal with everybody. And it worked. Actually, and that's what we need to do now. Will you give me this and I'll suck your cock? Well, I mean, we don't know all the deals that he made off pod, but... No. <laughs> uh, but yes, after Oswald had kind of clued you into the bigger world, you guys set off again and you went to what was effectively something that you'd kind of been given by the uh, city of Baradin. You went to Black Frost Fortress. You found it under siege from some orcs and you liberated it, though I think the uh, the noble in question who you were going to take it from died in the ensuing conflict. You were introduced to uh, the Fate Weaver Desorn, who I think killed poor Jeff, who was a, a friendly little NPC that you'd brought along with you, a little guard. He uh, died yep, horribly. He did, he did kill Jeff. Yeah, yep. very quickly. I think it was a one-hit wonder. Uh, it yeah, was... I think he cloud-killed him. Yeah. Or something was... like that. Yeah, and it just it, it hit him once, and he was dead. He, he didn't have enough hit points to withstand even, like, stepping into the cloud kill. Yeah. Yeah. kind of <laughs> reminds you the very difference between uh, NPCs and uh, player heroes, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but also at that point, I, I skipped over here, but you picked up Solara, and it turned out she was in a bad state. At this point, she had lost her memories, but she still had a bit of magic left. And uh, there was the events of episode 100, which you guys weren't a party to as your current characters, but your uh, alternate characters defeated one uh, Illustra of the Illuminated and uh, freed a friend who would get to know a lot better a lot sooner than I thought, uh, the <laughs> Hell Knight Karnak. Yeah, it is. The, 
Yeah, look, 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 looking back, that feels like something you drop in and then then it comes back up later. And we go, oh, shit. Yeah, no. There he is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was we, too we... soon. Yeah, it was a little bit too soon. It was too soon. <laughs> but, Not <yeah>. my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we we say know. that a lot. And we always look at you and Bunkle, so it's, <laughs> it's never our fault, is it, Matt? That's because we don't have any agency in the pod. We just kind of follow along. Um, <laughs> we just go along with whatever madness <laughs> Punkle brings up and whatever and insanity. I Punkle think. I think. I think again and again we'll, we'll mention it later. But I think Tommy's taking a little bit more leadership role. I don't necessarily see, see him as a leader or the leader, but he's definitely kind of trying to make some more decisions uh, now. I think largely based on re- a realization of what happens when you let Bunkle make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing with the group dynamic, right? Because I think originally, I would say Rogar and Tommy kind of came up with the plans, and you would sort of do both. Like, you'd go both ways. Like, Rogar would say, hey, let's do this, and Tommy would say, hey, let's do this, and Rogar was obviously willing to facilitate Tommy's ideas as long as he got to do his side, right? Like, So there was kind of this like duo partnership at the top there leading your direction through arc one but when it became more and more rogar wanted to do things that were horrifying you guys still went along with them but it became a little bit more morally difficult but you weren't really certain the ramifications then obviously i think now with rogar not being here anymore tommy's kind of had to recheck how he views things and kind of gone you know what i'm I think I'm not okay with someone else's morality directing my actions. And if I don't think it's right, I'm not just gonna do it because you're my friend. Yeah. I think that's the the shift there in how the party dynamics fall apart. Yeah. I thought like with with Dick being a good character, like literally a good character, and it seems like he's starting to go more and more not good. And I think um it, it in what I see. And I think maybe I might need to call him out on it because We've been there before. Yeah, I think maybe Sophia might. I don't think Dick's actually going down a a route that's not good as such, but I think perhaps how he views good is different to how Sophia yes. views good. Yes. Um, I don't think I don't think he's he's liable to change his his morality anytime soon. But what what his his ways of doing things are potentially will cause some conflict with Sophia's way of doing things. Um, more so perhaps than t- Tommy's. Because yeah. to- Tommy, Tommy's not as good as Sophia is. He's, he's, well, I'm he's, even he's... not that good, mate. No, I know, but you, you're, you're trying to follow the teachings of an objectively good, yeah, a deity, yeah. Which, which means, which means that you are trying to check yourself and you are trying to be better. Tommy's not worried about that at all. <laughs> Ultimately, he's not worried about any third party morality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all just how he feels and what he's doing is right and really. The ends, the ends may justify the means a little bit more for Tommy, but it depends on the situation. So we'll see. We'll see how that kind of plays out as we have to engage with people we may not have previously thought of engaging with. Yeah, yeah, because uh... we honestly thought we could do this by ourselves, just the, just the three of us with a few NPCs. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's not like it's not like we were going out of our way to turn down no. potential alliances no. with 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 kind of big organizations that share our morality but we also weren't going out of our way to seek them no so yeah. Uh, yeah well speaking of teaming up with people your first little team up here was probably not the one you wanted because as 
we sort of move forward through ARC 2, when you guys established yourself in Black Frost Fortress, at that point in time, you had some of Rogar's friends with you. You had Lysandra and her growing cult. And although you interrogated her a little bit, I don't think you pressed her too much on what she was doing. I think you kind of let her get on with things, despite mm. her setting up a, her own little cult in your uh, new fortress. And, well, the first fun thing that happened there, of course, was that you were attacked by uh, entities of a horrifying nature, specifically a dimensional shambler chased you through Black Frost, which was a very difficult uh, encounter. One that actually uh -huh. Martin helped you guys out with, but he didn't... Uh, he, even he didn't have the knowledge to be able to defeat that thing easily. He uh, was kind of hoping you guys did, but uh, nope. a little unfortunate not to have a wizard with you, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the 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 only other thing I can say about as the campaign progresses is the, uh, the holes in our party become more apparent. <laughs> yes. I, then, I think uh, I didn't want to um, go after one of Rogar's friends, because I ultimately... I want to keep the peace yeah and i don't want to yeah i don't want to come at somebody for no reason when actually i know i should as a person rather than as a character yeah that's that's the that's the kind of the, the thing you've got to always kind of fighting with is like why would tommy and sophia suddenly have enough with rogar i mean we don't yeah. we don't know as our characters half the stuff he's got up to Yes, exactly. So, so what we what we're really going off is kind of times he's made morally questionable decisions, times he's, he, you know, he's not told us the whole story, or times where he's been a bit shifty, or where things have gone wrong. But there was never kind of too many moments. There was never a moment where he took the side against us. No, no. And I think I think I think always, that he had our back, didn't he? Yeah, and I think if if there had been a moment like that, that would have maybe kind of spelled the end of the party mm. as it stood. And we, were, I think we were kind of building up potentially towards a situation like that. And how it would have gone would have very much depended how we'd all reacted to it, whether whether there was a fight, whether there was a parting of ways or what. I don't think, kind of from a storytelling perspective and from a character perspective, I think we wanted to hint that there was um, a kind of discomfort um distrust within the party but that we weren't kind of at a point where that really was going to explode but it was quite it's quite a nice thing to keep brewing you know and i think i think if we if we pushed too hard as our characters we would have tipped it perhaps too early so it was quite nice that this is the way it fell apart rather than in 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 a, in a sense yeah. yeah in a sense it was probably the best I yeah. mean, it's, I mean it's, it's, he, you did look at him to say, do you want me to go all out? And he was like, no, nah, I don't want you to just carry on doing what you need to do, which was lovely. There, there was, there was, yeah, there was that there, there was a kind of sense that that was that was really the that he went out in a way that you know, there was still some kind of friendship there. There was still some kind of alliance there. Mm. Um, he, he, he could have got Tommy to kill himself if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't. So. Didn't. And uh, I guess we're at that point in Arc 2 where things get a little bit off the rails because post that attack on Black Frost Fortress, you guys had an idea of going after our friend, the Fate Weaver to Sorn. 
you learned that both he and the gnolls that you'd been encountering up to that point, who were basically rounding up civilians and carting them off to uh, somewhere, were all gathering at a place called the Shimmering River Camp. It seemed to be some sort of forward encampment beyond their usual lines that was uh, operating throughout the area and kind of taking advantage of the chaos left in the wake of Barrett and being attacked and then taken off out of the play entirely. Um, it was going to be a dangerous one. You had to infiltrate. There was uh, orcs and gnolls everywhere. But unfortunately, it was made a lot more dangerous than both Tommy, Sophia, and Solara knew because Rogar had a bit of a tete-a-tete with his sword Eclipse, and it turned out his sword's previous master was now alive and well and wanted it back. And, well, Eclipse was of two minds about it. He liked working for Rogar, but he also remembered liking working for his old master. And so Rogar agreed to fight for the sword, a very, very powerful relic, um, by letting Eclipse take him over and speak to our newly resurrected friend, the Hell Knight Karnak. Eclipse murdered a bunch of civilians while in possession of Rogar's body, laid them out in a snowfield not too far away from the fortress, and basically uh, speed-dialed the uh, ninth level of Hell to get in touch with Asmodeus's champion himself, Karnak. And Karnak basically said, Yeah, sure, I'm willing to fight over the sword. I want the sword back. Name your time and place. <laughs> and Rogar decided to pick the Shimmering River Camp in, mm. I think, three days' time. Which was I think, not what I thought he'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think kind of to to, to jump into um Bunkle's defense a little bit because he isn't here to defend himself. Yeah. And, and he he has we have kind of spoken about this since. And I think I think both Flo and myself were kind of we we all, we all kind of got the impression that this fight needed to happen sooner rather than later, which I think on reflection we all realized that wasn't the case. Yeah. And and that you 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 kind of as DM weren't kind of weren't pushing for it to happen right now. Cuz mm. cuz when when you make a deal with with devils they are very literal, aren't they? Oh, so yes. you, you you name a time and place, well that could literally be any time and any place. He's giving you complete autonomy over that. But I think, I don't know, just kind of how re- reactionary we usually are with these things. It was like a name of time and place. Well, we don't want it right now. Okay, well, let's move it to a few days' time. Okay, let's do it, let's do it at the Shimmering River Camp. It'll cause even more chaos while we're there. Um, and hopefully everyone just fa- starts fighting everyone because demons and devils don't get on. And yeah, I kind of get where he was going with that. It was a, it was a, a kind of fairly typical bunker plan, but it was, uh, you know, I do totally get what he was going for. And when he discussed it with us afterwards about why, it's like, okay, I see what you're having. And to be fair, we we don't actually know what's going to happen when we no, get there. No, that that could. It could have worked. Have been, totally. have been exactly the right call. It could. It could have been as soon as the devils were turned up, the demons went, "Oh shit!" and everyone just started slapping each other around, and we ran away. But obviously, it didn't happen like that. I don't think we expected everybody to be so articulate with each other. You know, there was a lot more talking than fighting. Yeah, I think. I think that was again us kind of really underestimating our enemies. Mm, definitely. 
you know, we 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 sweet we heard an army of um, gnolls and orcs and giants, and we thought, although the giants admittedly there was only one there at the time, but we thought, ah, uh, you know, they'll ju- they'll just be a big rabble, mm, yeah. and they kind they kind of were, but we learnt when we were there, and I get, I mean, this this is exactly in character for us as well. Our characters don't really know. We we fought orcs, uh, we fought gnolls a couple of times. Every time we have. It's been like rabid chaos, and they've just been out to murder us. So, you know, there was a, a sense that perhaps that's exactly what we're going to face. But the orcs kind of surprised me as Tommy um, with their kind of warrior culture. Um, there was a lot more to them, and there were a lot more to their motivations than perhaps we'd, you know, we'd realised up to that point. Indeed, and you also, I don't think, were fully aware at that point. Though Rogar had a bit of a hint that. The Shimmering River Cramp wasn't just being run by the orcs and the gnolls or even the demons, that there was a uh, another hand at play there, that there were three of a group known as the Awoken, who basically work for the Illuminated, had been kind of planted in the camp to make sure people played nice and stayed with the plan. Um, and that, of course, was on the behalf of, uh, I'd say sort of our main villain of the arc, our illuminated friend Melkorak, otherwise known as the Nightmare Man, though up to that point I think he'd only really interacted with Rogar, kind of putting him in his place a little bit occasionally and making sure that he stayed on track and on mission. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was He was, He was. was that kind of, oh thank god I'm not dreaming tonight yeah, character yeah. Uh, that Rogar had to deal with, definitely. Yeah. And it, 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 it was quite nice, because Rogar was, I say flying high, all this yeah. time and I, yeah. I don't i don't want to don't want to um kind of you know it was it was great because he was on our side but at times you know particularly when he was at working actively against the party we're just like oh fuck's sake everything's going rogar's way yeah. and he's doing better and everything seems to be great it was it was kind of cathartic i guess maybe for those of you out there who who weren't always rogar's biggest fans just to see him kind of taken down a notch that 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 perhaps he wasn't you know that the entities that were much bigger than him were much bigger than him, and he was still a pawn to them. There's always a uh, something bigger and badder out there. Yeah, there's, there's, there is always a bigger fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's that's kind of uh, I don't know. You know, it was you kind of felt bad for him, but at the same time, particularly if he'd just been laughing at our own our misfortune. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was somehow cathartic. So I guess um. At this point, if we're going to go into this a bit more, the stage is effectively set, right? So you guys have the camp in front of you. You have a plan. You're going to infiltrate and basically turn the orcs and gnolls against each other because you could already see that they weren't exactly close allies. The gnolls were kind of that raving, ravenous, barbaric, basically demonically possessed uh, force. And the orcs, as you say, had much more of a warrior culture. They were here for very clear reasons. They weren't just here to slaughter for no particular goal they they wanted their probably rightful lands back in areas that should have always been theirs and it seems the uh the giant overlords and probably more likely the illuminated kind of promised them that and they were willing to go along with it they had signed letters from all the uh giant lords that basically hey when we take over this land will be ours so you had opportunity to kind of fracture this group and you all use the seeming spell to kind of disguise yourselves as orcs and gnolls, and you headed into the camp to uh, see what was going on down there. 
how did you both find it? Like, uh, what was your sort of take on the whole thing? I mean, I, I've got to say, I, I'm probably, I felt, although it was very much up in the air, I felt probably at my most comfortable in Arc 2 going into this, because kind of in the same way as we had when we were going to take on Kren, or previously we were going to try and rescue Sophia from her dad's tower, whatever, we knew the parameters of the mission. We had time to make a plan beforehand. Uh, we, we even had a map of the place, which is fantastic. We had intel on what everything was going on. We could develop, plan, and execute our own plan, you know, with 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 what we thought was all the information we had we needed really <laughs> uh and we were going to have options there to kind of on the fly make things worse but really we, we were there to try and cause chaos we were we were almost in a sense just um perhaps perhaps getting a feel of what it's like to be the enemy uh agents of chaos going in disguised <laughs> um yeah it's it kind of a nice little moment there where we perhaps got a, got a feel of what it must be like for those we're up against and yeah, going in, but but obviously on a very much tighter time scale. And it was it was interesting because we, we had some some options. Like Tommy was disguised as oh, I can't remember his name now, the uh, the sniper. Yeah. Um, who they and didn't you had to know pretend was, to be him, and it was like, yeah, well, I'm here because who, who, who they didn't know was dead. So it was it made yeah. sense that he'd be coming back, and the fact that he had a kind of we we made we made it so he looked like he had a wound in his neck, so he couldn't talk properly, but because Tommy can understand comprehend languages, I could still understand what people were saying. And Solara is a Wolfmaster Juran, by the way. Wolf, Wolfmaster Juran, there. That's what. That's who he was. Yeah, mm. yeah. He was a pretty cool character, actually. If he hadn't kept fucking trying to shoot me, there was a good. <laughs> de- we, we 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 did skip over that as well. But that was a that was a fantastic sniper duel. Really yeah, enjoyed it was, that. Yeah. yeah, that was a very 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 kind of um, cat and mouse kind of moment. Mm. Um, Sophia did not have fun. You, no, you, you you had less fun. You were partnered with Rogar. Uh, play, 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 playing Knowles, yeah, yeah, and and getting caught, love. I got caught. Yeah, yeah. but you it did, was you did really have, really bad. You did do some exploring first, though. Yeah, but I got caught. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, yeah. Interestingly, out of getting caught, I think that was the first time Sophia learned just how much Rogar was working for the enemy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just overhearing things and being allowed to overhear things. Thinking, oh, look at me, I'm being really, really sneaky. No, you're fucking not. They're telling you stuff for a reason. And um, it's just like, how am I going to get the fuck out of this? Because, like like you said, because Rogar's not going to help me, because Rogar's in on it. In, I mean, he, he, did, he, he did kind of try and keep you alive a bit there. Yes, though, yeah, no, but... he did. But the, and thankfully, I did get out alive. Like we all got out alive except Rogar, but it was, it was so difficult. Yeah, we 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 had a couple of moments in there. I think, I think it was very chalk and cheese our experiences because Tommy was living the mission exactly kind of how he planned it. Really, yeah, yeah, there yeah. were there were there were loads of options there for causing chaos. He got to find a bit more intel about what was the what was going on got hold of the axe which was great that was an option he got like to, to sow some chaos get that over to the knoll side give it to them um then he he knew about the hounds so he could release the hounds at any point he got the giant yeah um the drunken great things like drunk, drunk, drunk. It, was, it was it was all it was all kind of it was all coming up tommy really mm. for the probably for the only time in um in arc two uh <laughs> It, it, it felt pretty good that like the plan was working things were happening and 
yeah, it was not going so well for for Sophia and indeed Rogar. I mean, and then eventually things really did hit the fan, wasn't it? It was going good one side of the camp, bad the other side, and then well, we just we just start kind of arrived. Yeah, we we just started really kicking the plan into gear. Yeah. Solara was setting buildings on fire. Uh, the hounds had escaped. The giant was storming over, very angry. And like we, I was kind of expecting things to be happening from your side. I think that's when I ended up following the leaders of the Orc Party over across to find out what was going on. And that's when we saw you effectively in chains. Yeah. And it was like, oh, shit. And then an even bigger, oh, shit, because that was, was it, was that roughly the time that the um, the portals opened? Uh, I think it was, because uh, the uh, devils chose at that moment to start uh, showing up, and uh, it was indeed time for them to uh, find their target, who they proudly announced they were looking for one Rogar McLeod, who was uh, apparently had been nominated to fight their leader. And this was the uh, target location. And the devils were very kind that they were going to uh, ignore the existence of demons in this camp if they would be allowed to have their uh, ritualistic combat. And just to sweeten the pot, they'd made certain that there was a, a bunch of artillery and demonic and well, devilish forces stationed outside the camp just to really hammer home that if they wanted to, they could wipe you off the face of the planet. So let's not make a big fight out of this. Let's just so total there as well. Yeah, there was there was a total there. Fucking total. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to kill you all. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he he ranged in. He thought I'd give you a warning shot. Um, <laughs> that yeah, I think I, I you you've got to you've got to admire the confidence that Rogar went into this fight with as well. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think he he was really he he knew like. Bunkle knew that he wasn't going to survive this. But, but, he had but a playing, hope and a prayer, but he, but he knew. But playing Rogar well, Rogar went yes, into that yes. purely oh, yeah, confident. And I think I think it was, you know, I'd, I'd say it was unwarranted confidence, but actually up until that point, he was going into fights and coming out the other side with barely a scratch. Mm. He was, he, he'd, he'd, he'd rock in, hit something with his sword. Stick, divine smite second, that shit. Second, second level divine smite on top of it. And it was just like, fucking hell, me and Sophia yeah. are here, why again? Um, yeah. Because, you know, he, he, would just, he was kind of top-tier Rogar at that point, and he'd, he'd really kind of, he, he'd, he'd achieved a lot of his goals and got a lot of the rewards from them. So, so yeah, he was, you know, he was up until that point fairly untouchable, or at least had a good sense of it. And then, yeah, this is kind of what happens when you, uh, you take on a boss from a later arc. I mean, I'm gonna say arc eight or nine. I mean, I mean, I, I guess, I guess you can't really say without giving away too much of what else you've got planned. But I'm expecting he, he was going to be coming down quite a bit later down the line. Yeah, it, it kind of depended. So as as ever, things are kind of in flux. I did originally plan to have. Um, so it was Karnak had been mentioned a few times, just for general history here. So he was mentioned originally when Rogar got Eclipse, when Eclipse kind of bonded with him. He shared some knowledge of his previous masters, and one of them was the Hell Knight Karnak. Not his creator, interestingly, but just one of the people who wielded him for a few uh, 
uh, chunk of time while he was conquering. And then later, Rogar actually sent or was considering sending some people to find the tomb of Karnak. Yeah. Um, to find his body for whatever reason he wanted the body. I originally wrote a little piece for um, either this arc, arc three or arc four, basically, where you guys could go to the tomb of Karnak uh, based on what may have been found there and some other things, because it's in a very particular area that's very dangerous, um, but also is the site of pretty much where one of the Illuminated's biggest uh, attacks on the world ever went down, where there's a massive scar across a chunk of the continent that uh, you guys could have gone to investigate and find out some things about at least so getting the tomb that's in that area would have been kind of the impetus to bring you now that was my original thought where maybe that be the time you'd start to fight karnak or he'd come at you from there or he'd hunt you down later at the end of arc two but you wouldn't have to fight him so i thought originally when i kind of gave the time and place option is that uh, Rogar might pick Gnarren, the uh, the capital of the giants, where Rogar had a lot of friends and support, and as far as he knew at that time, was pretty much entirely under the Illuminates' control. So there would be no ambiguity, and he'd have a lot of protection. So maybe he could get out of the fight there, maybe he could, uh, you know, cajole his way around it, and maybe with other events that would later go down, he could kind of uh, avoid death at least maybe reconvene the fight for a later time, which would have been the proper boss fight, right? Uh-huh. But as we saw, that is not the way it went. Interestingly, and I don't know if I've ever said this on pod before, but there was actually a way to escape the camp uh, without Rogar dying, but it was extremely dangerous, I will say that. It was not a an easy-to-take option. If you remember how the camp was set up, there was the orc side and the Knoll side, and on the Knoll side, there was a demonic... Uh, summoning uh, pit, uh-huh. basically. And there was an artifact in there with the um, the leader of the Knoll uh, murderers, the uh, Bloodseer Nimara. She was sacrificing people there and bringing through demons from the Abyss. Yep. So she basically had a working portal to the Abyss. And uh, you could have yeah. escaped through that and Karnak wouldn't have followed you to the Abyss because he's a devil. And he's damn sure not going to stand, go there by himself, because that's suicide for him. Yeah. So that would have been your out. Now, obviously, that would have been incredibly dangerous. My thinking was Rogar could have probably convinced Menderax, the uh, the awoken creature that was with you guys at the time. He could have come, Menderax, Kusator, and maybe even the Eater of Dust as well, may have acted as a bit of an escort if Rogar could have convinced them. So that was kind of the way out, though it was extremely risky. The Abyss is incredibly dangerous, but it would have been an option. Yeah, that was kind of the the hidden yeah, escape we did, we, route. We did see it, didn't we? So you did. You, yeah, you, you definitely. But we had, knew uh, that it was stupid. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, you, you Sophia would never have thought of that as an option. No, it's it wouldn't even occur to Sophia. Let's let's jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. Let's uh, particularly as it, you know, really, it kind of didn't matter what the outcome of the fight was to you. No. Whereas it, it may have been to 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 Rogar, but I think up to that point he was pretty dead set on the fight. He was more thinking about, and I, I put putting words in his mouth a little bit, but I think he was kind of up for the challenge of the fight, really. Mm. And you know, he 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 was for. 
kind of all his faults, and I th- I'm thinking about it as I say it, he kind of was, for the most part, a dragon of his word, really. He, he was. He his word he was often mad, but he was. If he didn't want us to know about something, he wouldn't tell us. No, or he'd he say, don't, he don't, say, don't worry about it. Yeah. Or if you asked him what he was up he, to, he's got not, this. He's got this. Not not much, or he's got it, yeah. or yeah, don't worry about it. It'd be fine, kind of thing. That was that was kind of it. But he did, he wasn't he didn't really very often outright lie to us. Yeah. And likewise, and I think I think that was kind of his 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 kind of his his weird version of honor, really, in the sense that he he he'd made this this pact. He was going to fight him, and that's where he was going to fight him. And there really wasn't any thought of running away. No. You know? I think he maybe because he thought running away was futile, perhaps, but he didn't even ever really consider the options. I don't think we we discussed off pod any of the options except for fighting. So he had some things, some potential tricks up his sleeve when it came to the actual fight, but that was that was really. And I mean, I I I got to be honest. If I was in a similar situation, I probably would be thinking, right, I need to do this fight, and this may be the end of me, mm. and I probably wouldn't be thinking about running away, but. It- yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting. I think in D and D in general, there's there's always a challenge. I think as a DM, of how do you set up a situation that your players know that the fight isn't the right option, and it's difficult because you don't want to do things that don't make sense. Like I'm not going to give Karnak the ability to just kill people by touching them, so you guys know, hey, don't fuck around with him, right? Like uh-huh. I want yeah, it to yeah. be a fight that you guys can do. And hell, as far as I know, maybe you will come up with a plan to fight him. Maybe you'll convince the gnolls and the demons to attack him and his followers and that'll give you the the chance to strike a killing blow on him maybe you'll figure something out you know i don't want to be like put you in handcuffs and say no this fight is too tough for you don't do don't try it but you kind of have to do your best to hint that this guy is bad fucking news (laughs) and if you try fight him your chances of success are really goddamn low like i think we've had that a few times like there's been moments with the Crimson Tongue where it's been like, okay, you yeah. guys know if you fight her right now, she's going to fucking kill you. You've not yeah, really got definitely. a dog in this fight kind of thing, right? Yeah. F- fuck around, find out. And yeah, Rogar decided to fuck around. Yeah. You're dead. And sometimes <laughs> you have to. Sometimes, I mean, it's D&D. It's fun, right? Like, sometimes yeah. you have to fucking poke the bear and see if the bear takes your head off. Yeah. I mean, we've, this time we've, you did. <laughs> we've definitely come up against, like, scary things before. I mean, we took mm. down Cran. You know, we've 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 we fought Steve when he was um, like offended. Steve, we've done we've we've done things that we wouldn't think we could win. I mean, even as as our alternate party, you know, although our characters don't know this, we 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 took down an Illuminated. Mm-hmm. It's not they weren't much any higher level really. No. So, you know, it's there's a sense of. You know, you can do what would seem to be the impossible sometimes in D and D. So sometimes you want to have a go, and I think if any of us were going to have a go, it was going to be Rogar. Yep. No, none of us, the rest of us would have been sane enough to insane enough to think we could do that, though. Yeah, well, that's again, that's 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 him playing the character well, because mm. you know there, there is the you know, Rogar. Rogar would save his skin sometimes, and other times he he he'd stand up and fight. I think I think there was it was a problem though, and I think you know that's again he played the character exactly right. But because we didn't know, yeah. his allies didn't know, we couldn't help him come up with a plan for this. Yeah. yeah, 
we couldn't we couldn't assist him with ideas or what what we think we should he should do or no dude run away give him sound advice we had no idea we were planning for the shimmering river camp in the best way we could i guess that let him have a way out of like if i die i die it's not on you at all yeah. you know, like we would have felt responsible if we'd been party to his plan yeah that's the other thing is tommy probably would have taken that shot yeah and, and then we would have all have died but also, I, but also, but also, I think we, you know, that would be the worst situation that Rograd put us into that uh, to that point as well. So I think we we'd be fraying our alliance even more. Mm. Like, w- why why the fuck are we doing this? It would have completely changed how we approached Shimmering River. Yeah. Um. I mean, there were some good bits and some bad bits that came out of that. Yeah, and I think ultimately, about by that point as well, you'd found out way more about. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have broken the party anyway. If even if yeah. he had survived it, it would have broken the party because he, be- well, he obviously he didn't lie, but he's he's crapped as fuck. Yeah, we 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 really didn't. The the, the yeah, the, the the stuff he'd been up to was kind of so bad. Yeah, <laughs> that there really wasn't any way we could kind of ignore it just for the for keeping the peace purposes. Yeah. So. Yeah, I th- and and ultimately, I think it was probably the 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 best way to break the party, the most interesting way, mm. and um, kind Without of the, the, us hating each other. Yeah, and the only and in a way that he can still come out seeming like a fucking hero, because <laughs> because <laughs> he because he, he didn't involve us, and he fought his own battles, and he didn't let us intervene when we, when I offered. Indeed. I think that was the thing you touched on earlier, but he had, he always kept a twisted sense of honor, which I think is important because the original Rogar, before he lost his mind and before he fell to the the clutches of the Whispering Man, was an honorable guy. He did have very clear goals. Now, he was leaning towards evil, but more in the sense of he lost everything and was perfectly willing to do anything to carry out his vengeance. But he was always a, a dragonborn of his word, and he always stuck to what he said he was going to do. And he swore vengeance, so he was going to get vengeance. His insanities that came later only really twisted him, but it didn't break who he was as a character. He stayed the same, just with a, a, a very fractured lens he used to look at the world through. And yeah, he fought Karnak, and he was defeated Karnak claiming the sword eclipse and returning to hell, not before uh, letting the signal loose for the Shimmering River camp to be destroyed anyway, because Karnak didn't make any promises about not doing it, not really. Hinted he might not, but nah, he was always going to destroy that camp. Can't let demons so who run survived that? Here. Has anybody survived that? Yeah. Well, a few apart people. from us. Uh, yeah, I mean, a few people, not... Too many that you know about, of course, but uh, yeah. you saw the Awoken survived because Menderax came after you. Cusator yeah. and the Eater of Dust were also there. Um, you saw there were some gnolls and orcs kind of scattered after the destruction of the camp, so presumably some of them lived. You don't know whether the orc leadership got away. We know that one gnoll certainly survived long enough to bring the, uh, the King in Yellow book to our friend Kurt which was uh, looted from the body of uh, Rogar. <laughs> Yay! Because yeah. that book still needs to be about. <laughs> it does. We really shouldn't have left his corpse there, but there was really no way of getting to it. No, there wasn't. No, I mean, and, and, no. and coming out alive, yeah. I mean, we tried to go back for it, 
but we were too late. Yeah, we, we, yeah, it wasn't like we said, ah, oh, that's gone. It was literally like, uh, are we willing to die for some loot? No, no, we're not. Yeah, but we, um, yeah, it was a pretty epic escape. That was um, kind of that was that was as cinematic as it gets, really. Boaty McBoatface. Yeah, I mean, well, that this the 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 the, the kind of the wind up with this with with Tommy kind of running around taking shots, uh, Solara fighting her way up, Sophia making a break for it, Tommy lobbing magical frag grenade into the middle of all the orcs mm. just so absolute chaos and then the boat coming out everyone sprinting for it Sophia getting slapped about pretty hard by some gnolls on her way it was you know and just getting on the boat you know I think we were we were literally like one dice roll away from you not getting on Indeed, because I think the uh, the leader of the Knolls, I think, was one hit from uh, killing Sophia at one point. Yeah, yeah they it didn't like me very much. <laughs> no, it was it was it was very touch and go every moment of that that escape. And then even when we were on the boat, we were just kind of just away. Yeah. And How then... fast can this boat fucking go? Can we? Can we, <laughs> are we? I like the fact that you. You didn't get too hung up on the the details of how we got away. It was more of a yeah, a cinematic pan out. This is what's happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 pretty much to get onto the boat was enough of a um, yeah <laughs> nail nail biting moment. I think we got on, we smashed into the into the gate and escaped, and then we got shelled. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By a turtle. Yes, he did. Atlas let loose the hellfire cannons on the walls and uh, peppered <laughs> you guys with shots as you escaped. And uh, as you escaped, well, it turned out Rogar wasn't exactly done. He might be dead, but uh turns out the Whispering Man wasn't exactly done with his body just yet, as he transformed into a giant undead eldritch dragon, which has now flown off over all your heads as you were watching towards the Shrine of Othrin and the, uh, I guess, the final section of Arc 2. As, unfortunately, due to plans going down this way, you guys were kind of put on an unexpectedly ticking clock. Yeah. Oh, and can I can I also just flag, actually, one thing we didn't mention at all with all of Rogar's motivations as we were doing a kind of bit, bit of a deep dive in there, is the fact that it's not the first time he died as well. It's not. No, it's not. It's just <laughs> so, that he kept losing things about himself, um, and then he actually lost himself. Like but that was, his character literally got taken out of his hands. <laughs> that's hilarious. But to be to be fair, I mean that's 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 also a thing as as a kind of sense of that confidence that he probably had going into the fight in that he, he's he's died before, and yeah. he's he's always come back. So who's to say he won't again? Mm-hmm. So. You know, for Rogar, eh, you know, what's what's losing something else? He's mad. He doesn't really care. No. When was but, the yeah. first time he died? It was quite early on, wasn't it? It was pretty <laughs> hard. He died to some ghosts. Oh, yes. Some in... uh, whites, in fact, I think they were um, in uh, yeah. the, uh, the, the merchant's uh, basement, basically. Which yeah. was, he died right after making his deal with the Whispering Man. Yeah, so it was pretty good timing for him. And then we killed him. 
And did he die a third time in the? He did. The what was that? Was that the he fight was in um, Sophia's dad, Mr. Maximilian's private study, when he went to steal Eclipse? That's um, right. Marcel arrived and fucking ended Rogar in a single round. And then, as Marcel was calling the, uh, the servants to clear his body away, Rogar came back to life as a half ghoul. And, uh, That's right. Him. Yes, and started eating things. That's right. Yeah. And Eclipse started helping him eat things. Oh, God. Thank so... goodness, dead. so that's yeah that was that was a that was a thing anyway so that that kind of makes a lot of sense why perhaps he 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 did decide to fight rather than flee Mm. and obviously he died loads of times in the dreamlands but he didn't really die so that's true plus i mean one thing about rogar he had faith that the whispering man had his back throughout all of it that he wouldn't be like a drop he really does Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and uh, except at this point, the whispering man decided, you know what? Fuck it, I'm doing it. Yeah. Give me the body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, that was the thing I, I tried to put across with Rogar's whole deal is that the whispering man and those sorts of entities might be able to make you immortal in a sense, and obviously the way that it's set up in our world, they're very far away, so their influence is basically at its weakest in terms of what they can affect, but on the individual level sure they can make him immortal but what's left of rogar that comes back is the difficulty right like the the idea was every time he returned it effectively frayed his his sanity frayed his body frayed what was left of him until he wasn't he wasn't strong enough to return to his flesh but the whispering man had a little contingency there in the armor that he'd gifted him as his uh, herald of chaos, that armor was alive, and he could uh, bring Rogar back via that, though not so much the soul anymore. I mean, did he have one to begin with? <laughs> he did, but it was it, bought and sold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, his soul kind of died when his whole fucking family died. Yeah. I think that yeah. was that was kind of thing. We 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 never really well. We did very very briefly in, in a one shot see what Rogar was like before, but mm. you know we 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 always met kind of a, a shadow of a man, a man who, yeah. who who'd kind of lost everything. Yeah, exactly. You don't really. I didn't really think about why he was turning into this this dude that was just so insufferable. But if you'd had so much of that crap happen to you then yeah, you might turn out to be a wanker <laughs> and do whatever you can to, to get to your own goal and kill Kren. Yeah, and then and then you, you get past the point of no return, really, exactly, in that kind yeah. of... Oh, yeah. it, was a, it, was a, it was a good good tale of vengeance, really, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, lo- losing everything that you are and everything you would have originally stood for in the pursuit of it. Mm. So, but yes, um, we, we, were, we were out the other side, with a ticking time bomb, and um, had we met a, a new friend at this point yet? When did we meet Mr. So, Fate? Yes, this is the moment you meet Mr. Fate. So as you escape the camp and go running into the woods, with Martin still in tow, actually, hmm. you guys bedded down for the night, and after telling Martin what happened, he uh, disappeared in the evening under Tommy's watch, a bit surprisingly. And then a uh, two people arrived. First, Mr. Fate who stumbled across you all in the darkness as he was hunting Knowles, 
And then Menderax arrived and tried to kill mm. Sophia by cutting off her head. <laughs> Fire Fucking Menderax, man. Yes, our Yugoloth friend who uh, was not too pleased about you fucking up his whole uh, operation. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, there's nothing we could have done about that. that it, it is what it is. Get over <laughs> yourself. Oh, wait a minute, you can't. Well, he's dead now. Well, Yay! He's back. In oh, no. Plane. Yes, he's gone back. Yeah, because he doesn't actually die, does he? Not unless you want to travel there and kill him. Uh, no. He got sent effort. sent back from whence he came. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, which which does mean that we may encounter him again sometime. Exactly. But probably no, I'm dreading that. But 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 seeing as he's rather in disfavor, probably, um, that may mm. not be for, for some time. I hope not. Yes, you encountered Dick Fate. You fought off Menderax, and Dick actually convinced you to go back to the Shimmering River camp, albeit briefly, because he wanted to find out what was going on there, and he kind of wouldn't take your uh, answer of it's fucked as uh, <laughs> concrete, because he didn't know you guys and didn't really know if he could believe you. But when you got there, I think this was the first time any of you saw in the flesh Melkarak, as he appeared with his minions, and uh, I think we'll say dispensed punishment on those who had failed him, specifically killing Menderax quite dramatically and immediately. And... Uh, yeah, I think that that did kind of scare you all off of actually going down to the camp, which is probably a smart idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we, we made out of there just once with our lives. I don't think we were going to get as lucky the second time. Mm. We didn't have another swan boat. Exactly. Not. We need another boat. Mm. <laughs> so you met up with Mr. Fate. You learned a bit about him. He's this strange half-orc who is now uh, helping you out. Turned out he had some things in common with Tommy in terms of shared trauma. And you decided that you were going to have to go after Rogar and get to the Shrine of Othrin to find the Titan King's heart, which you'd learned was basically some sort of key artifact in whatever the Illuminated had been planning. And at this point, you'd sort of realized that oh shit, if we don't stop this, bad things are really going to happen. And we don't know what they're going to do with it, but we damn certain know if we don't want them to get it. So, the final section of this uh, bit of the story kicked off with you guys going to the mountains. Which was, uh, I think, an interesting uh, experience for you. A bit different. Mm. I mean, to be fair, it was it was good that we gave, um, gave Dick those anti-cold boots, because he naked. Yes. He, he completely yeah. Completely naked. We, we, well, he's got he's got a uh, leather duster. Yeah, but, but leather leather in 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 snow. Well, no, it's it's not it's not the most helpful thing to be wearing. Really, <laughs> but, uh, the, 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 the fact is that that yeah yeah we we are taking our newly fr- newly made naked friend to the worst place to be naked. Mm. It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, can't really. Uh... I think the whole frostbite factor there would be fun. No, so, but we got I mean, those boots are reduced resist hmm. cold, so I think he's he should be pretty pretty good to be honest. <laughs> I learned to speak giant. You did, you did. Well, you were you were for once not stab first and ask questions later when you met a young stone giant. In fact, you decided to follow him, and he brought you to his family. Effectively, a group known as the Stone Wardens who were led by a uh, rather old giant called Hurund, who shared his knowledge with Sophia, 
and kind of filled you all in on just what had been going on with the Giants. Because up to this point, you'd heard about giant involvement and like how there was multiple giant species effectively involved, multiple giant clans and all that. But you didn't really know why. It's just that they were there and they were a threat. Hurund, I think, filled in a few of the blanks, telling you how his uh, a top, basically adopted child, Morin Hall, had betrayed his people and kind of sold out their secrets to the Illuminated and had helped bring the clans together under this new banner. And they'd retaken Ganaran, set it back up as their home, and now were ready to uh, unleash horrors upon the world. And in his vision that he gave you, you did recognize the man you just met, Melkorak, there pulling strings yet again, seemingly positioning himself as the power behind all the thrones when it comes to the giant's army. Yeah, and unfortunately we were short a party member for this as well. Yes, Solara's Solara, lost her magic. Which, for, for kind of us as players and as the party, that's, that's a pretty massive blow. Yeah, it's really awful. Because one of the things we, we didn't do, and interestingly, even when we had the option, well, when there was the option when Dick um, joined the party of a new player character, we still have not really diversified the party very well no. in terms of skill set. No. Um, <laughs> That's because Dick already existed, I guess. Oh, no, completely, completely. Yeah. He, he, was, he, he, was, he was a fully formed character in the story that it was an absolute perfect choice to slot I in. I mean, I know one of us did become a bard, but also a bastard. So, um... What? What? Kurt what? Was a, is a bard and now yeah, he's a complete wanker, so I can't you say I mean, it's not his fault. Yes. Yeah, it's the book. Oh, it's always a fucking book. That it's, book uh, told me to do shit. Well, you, you, you remember that one shot? There was there were there, there were three options there. <laughs> yes, you, okay. you you picked you picked the one that got you to die, which may have been the best option. I know, right? <laughs> it was awesome. Um, yeah. So Dick Dick slotted absolutely perfectly into the story. There wasn't really the option of changing up, but yeah, and and obviously Sophia's taking some some cleric skills. Uh, Tommy's taking some um, roguish skills, but. You know, we we are we do lack kind of a magical offense, mm-hmm. and that losing Solara's abilities, we really felt that over probably the rest of the arc. Actually, yeah, it's really hard, mm. especially when you rely on that so much. You know, it was yeah. always a, oh, we're, we're shooting, we're shooting, we're shooting, and then there was a massive like, I can do this massive like AOE effect. Oh, okay. There's fire fucking everywhere. <laughs> I think that would help. Yes, yes, that that yeah, okay. You know, and it was um I just really missed having her in combat. Yeah. Yeah, she was very helpful. She's coming back, right? Well, we'll see. You guys are trying. But, uh she uh broke a deal with some Fay and uh it's cost her a lot. But now Sophia is en route to try help her. As it turns out, that Faye works for her dad, and, well, was probably doing this as a message to get your ass over to where he is. Which, conveniently, might be something that's happening a bit later on in the pod. <laughs> yes. 
But right now, you guys were en route to the Shrine of Othrin. Along the way, you found a man called Rurik, who was able to heal you of some of your uh, lingering suffering, from uh, still from the color out of space, as your wisdom had all been drained. So he kind of brought you back to life, immediately making an enemy of uh, Sophia, because she can't stand to be outdone by anyone. <laughs> Probably why she hated Rogar so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's why. Totally, totally. Yeah, why. Su- success breeds jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> literal, literal nicest character I've ever introduced you guys to. He's like lawful good. He fights demons and devils. He's a cleric. He heals people. He just oh, wants to find his people. brother. <laughs> and you hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. I, I, I love him. I think he's such a great guy. I really like him. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's hilarious that you hate him so much. It it works for me. Yeah. Well, he did then turn around and eat your pets, so, you know. Yeah, far. right. <laughs> yeah, what, what happened there? <laughs> yeah, totally, that was, that was what started it all. Uh, no, I think you were a dick first. <laughs> up. I mean, we did leave him out there for like days. Actual days. You did. With, well, with first... Oh, go on. Yeah, no, we, we, well, we were there in the in the mountain for ages. <laughs> it was just like, what do I do? Going to. Eat? Yes, before you, but before you got to the mountain, uh, you helped Rorik deal with some yetis that led you in turn to the druidic circle of fire. And uh, that was a, a new kind of hell, was apparently all the druids were brutally murdered. Insane fire elementals were roaming around the place. A lava monster attacked you all. And then it seems a a giant servant of uh, Morinhol, one of these corrupted stone giants, completed a ritual to bring through a very, very brief aspect of our old friend, the Whispering Man, who decided to pay you all a little visit one-on-one and he kind of extended a hand to each of you all with the options laid out or at least to mr fate he offered to uh change how things had gone for him and help his world all the suffering and trauma he'd been through be uh taken away from him to sophia he offered a future where there might not be one as long as she decided to bend the knee and serve a new god And for Tommy, he was less direct. He didn't really want anything from you, but he did give you a little bit of insights that I don't know how much you ever trusted, but he uh, showed you a little bit more than it seems perhaps your other friendly deity, Baal, was willing to show you and kind of hinted that Valmin may have been a little bit more involved in your past than you realized, as he knew both your mother and your father. Yeah. Tommy's still not really sure how much of that he believes, if anything at all. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but you did get to meet Handel. I did. Yeah, that was that was a nice chat. Yeah, did yeah. you go for a drink with him? Yeah, I mean, I definitely definitely lucked out on that one. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. So Sophia rejected a nice ending for herself, though. So you know, sad times. Yeah, you get. Yeah, I don't know. Fucking. Ah. <laughs> uh. With that little mental break aside, you guys went on to the Shrine of Othrin, which was basically a massive mountain, which at that point in time was surrounded by frost giants, 
who then got attacked by a gigantic ancient white dragon who scared them all off effectively and gave you guys a, a very tense walk up to the shrine's entrance, which you found surprisingly open, but not through natural means. It seems something had burrowed its way into the mountain, and you guys were going to follow down after it, when that same dragon returned and almost killed you all before laying down the law and basically telling you to go down into the shrine. Sure, you're allowed to do that, but you have to bring something back up for me, and you best be quick about it. Our uh, friend Gorgoroth. <laughs> yeah. And we pretty much decided that was probably a good idea. Yeah, please don't eat me. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 when you found out what was in the bag, I mean, yeah, of course, you can have your babies. Here you yeah. go. You know, but it, but it, but even up to that point, we were there wasn't really an op. Any any of us who were like, yeah, let's fuck over the dragon and see what happens. No, it was never that. No, it's like, it's like okay. I will give up when I'm two, one or two of my fingers, and then still give you your babies. <laughs> and some yeah. memories. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't meant to be part of the deal, but there we go. <laughs> Maybe not exactly. <laughs> On we saw um. Dickhead face. You did. Martin you know, joined one. you at the bottom of the shrine after you'd been through all the trials and tried to kill you. But uh, he Again. failed, but managed to escape. Annoyingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... Um, yeah, those trials really weren't great. <laughs> no. they, were, they, were, they were fun, don't get me wrong. It, it was very... Um, yeah, it was... It, it was trialy. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very good to... You know, interesting... From mm. a from a from yeah. a playing perspective, but um, yeah, not 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 fun, not 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 fun at all. So you wouldn't <laughs> go Tommy. down the ride again, no? Not getting Tom- season passes for that. T- Tommy Tommy definitely would not. No. Oh okay. <laughs> I thought Fair it got enough. good reviews on TripAdvisor. I mean, Sophia had a better time. I think. <laughs> yeah, you came through broadly unscathed. Yeah, it did yeah. As I Except generally the do. trying to eat you. But, uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that try and eat me. You've 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 had worse days out. Yes, I really have. <laughs> but yes, you you surmounted the trials of the shrine uh, very successfully, and what you did, unfortunately, learn, however, was that Rogar had beaten you here, as basically he can just fucking fly there, and that makes it a lot easier for him. He didn't have to go traversing through the mountains, nor trudging through the snow, nor climbing over anything, or fighting yetis. He just went in a straight line, flying. Which makes it easier, especially when he's undead and doesn't need to sleep or eat. Hmm. That's uh, kind of a bit difficult to beat, that one. Especially when you can't magically teleport there. So, the Heart of Othrin, our uh, Titan King's uh, final relic, had been taken. And that seemed very fucking bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> especially as Rogard also nicked some sort of uh, cubic gate that let him kind of plane shift at will and he was fucking out of there as soon as he'd got the heart but he did leave behind as he didn't obviously bother to look another bunch of treasures which the uh, the caretaker Vathrun allowed you all to take as he was under the impression that whoever beat the shrine fairly well those treasures were theirs he also let you uh, scry on a bunch of people, which let you um, 
learn a little bit more about what was going on in the world. You saw quite a few interesting things, little snippets of story. I think some of the big ones were you found out what happened to Kurt Van Helsing. Our uh, bardic friend has unfortunately fallen completely into madness. And then he almost killed you all because you stared too long into his face. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. 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 <laughs> no, don't ever do that again because that was really quite scary. Because he came through. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, like, like literally through i mean it was terrifying yeah let's not let's not do that again hmm. well matt's read the character sheet so yeah he knows what fun's there oh god yeah it's not good <laughs> we're not we're, 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 we yeah we, we we don't want to fight him for some time oh arc 32 <laughs> yeah far maybe, enough away maybe <laughs> oh, dear. maybe mm-hmm. You also saw that uh, that's where the uh, Crimson Tongue had ended up. She was manipulating events around Kurt to make certain he uh, filled his role, as it were, to become the King in Yellow. And, uh, well, after you were done scrying on the world, Bathroon had one more gift for you. An airship. More specifically, an elemental airship that would also allow you to plane shift and get around a lot quicker. So you packed your bags, jumped on the airship, you returned the uh, stolen eggs to Gorgoroth, and she let you live. And you uh, made your way quickly away from the shrine, because I guess this was the moment in the game where you guys, you'd gotten a letter from the past, kind of filling you in on a lot of detail, one from Othrin himself. And you had a choice to make. And the choice was go to Ganaran and try end this war before it starts, or go elsewhere, maybe find allies, and just take the war after it kicks off and see if that's a better option. Which was a very difficult choice to make, I think. You guys were uh, pained over what direction to take. We definitely asked for like considerable help with that. Because, what'd you do? Yeah, I mean, that's that, that, that wasn't the kind of decision you just, just make at the end yeah. of an episode. And I think I, that, was, that was one thing I kind of, I, I very much said can we can we have a think about this can we have a bit of time can we end the episode and have some time to think about it and i think even even having a think about it it wasn't yeah it didn't it didn't wasn't help. clear oh, no um because that you know you, it's very difficult to to buy in action make the world a worse place mm. and we knew i knew that's exactly what we'd be doing but we didn't have and i, I think we you know if you, if you go back and listen to the discussions we we have around this um at that kind of time you can kind of see where 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 we are in our headspace because it's difficult to rehash everything that was going on in my head at the time but basically it was it was a case of we we can go with no plan no idea what we're doing and probably die mm. we might come out of it alive but it feels a little bit like brogar deciding to take on um the hell knight Karnak. Yeah. you know it's it's foolhardy and we are more than likely going to get ourselves killed if we just try and go in there because we're not a big enough force to take it head on. Mm. We'd have to sneak, but we have no idea what we're going into. No yeah, intel. We no, yeah, no intel at all. We didn't no, have no, Solara. No. We didn't have... The, the biggest hitter had just died and turned yeah. into a dragon that would also be against us. I honestly yeah, thought so, we would have to deal with Rogar a lot sooner, but thankfully we haven't because we've run away. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, dra- dra- Dragon Rogar backed up by an army of giants. Yeah. 
um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, didn't. It, it didn't sound achievable in any way. But also, we didn't like the sound of like running away. No, ex- exactly, and that was that was kind of the the only other option really. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, the, the the other option we did consider was going to take on Kurt. But yeah. but again, after the interaction, I mean, even when yeah. we when we scried on like the camp and our, our kind of biggest threat we thought at the time was was the camp no one could come through the other side and attack us back so that kind of schooled us in a little bit on how much of a threat going to Mm -hmm. take on Kurt as we were with a party of who we were with with more allies absolutely we've got no further really we haven't but it hasn't been you know in in game terms it hasn't been very long since then no it's true um it's what two days Yeah, oh, not been too long. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah we, maybe, we plane maybe, shifted there and then plane shifted back, and that's it. Uh, we we went. Did we go home first? Oh, uh, yes. you did. You went home yes, briefly. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, spent a bit of money. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's not been very long, and we haven't done very much since. In fairness, but our perspective keeps changing. So we 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 made that decision. I still think it was the right one to go and find more allies. I think it was we were a bit late to make to be making that decision, but you know we 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 didn't realise quite how far things had moved until we were where we were, and also the realisation of the letter from Othran, kind of backing off the prophecy that we were told before, really kind of cemented how important we were. Hmm. And we yeah, keep I mean, telling us that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we didn't touch on it too much just then, but when you guys went through the shrine, you saw Othrin's visions, effectively, of what was going to happen, and you could relate that, hey, this shit's happening right now. Like, yeah. the giants are being corrupted. There are demons involved, but it seems they're being tricked as well. There's some false prophets spreading lies, whether that's Morin Hall or whether that's one of the Illuminated. It could have been either of them or maybe the amalgamation of both. But the giants are falling and the storm was coming. And did you have the power to stop that or would it have been a, a lost cause? That was the the big question at the time. And yeah, you, you made your decision. And I, I think ultimately it was the wise decision. Uh, It ended the arc very differently to what I originally, all those months and possibly years ago, uh, thought it was going to go. But I think it was the wise way to to back off there and say, no, this is as far as we go in this particular path. We can't go further. Let's go get stronger and take them on when we feel more comfortable. And that means the the arc ended effectively at the end of arc two. And it ended with the ritual at Ganaran, this summoning of the uh, an aspect effectively of the crawling chaos through to the world, this storm that corrupts and changes all it touches, washing across the lands. That happened. One of your characters, uh, Flodo, did witness it, but she's not reappeared to report that to anyone, how it all went down. But you have to imagine there are some people on the continent who've definitely already been touched by that particular effect. And you've also heard already in Arc 3 that there are other places just losing their minds just from dreams and whispers, and it's all getting very dire in the world. 
that presence yeah. is being felt more and more and it's seeping through and all the little cracks in your reality but yeah that that was the end and i think uh, i think this is a fair point to say at this point i can tell you guys a little bit about how i originally envisioned it if you're interested to kind of hear what could have been <laughs> oh yeah definitely it's, 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 yeah. it's always interesting to to kind of hear what uh, what, you, what you kind of envisaged the way you envisaged it was going to happen yeah definitely mm. so from my side so I, obviously i didn't expect robot to die in the way he did and where he did so i thought you guys would survive shimmering river you'd get the information you needed maybe you'd get the orcs as allies which i did thought you might go down that path but if you didn't okay fine you don't have them to help you but i knew you would go to the shrine and obviously try complete it if you did you would have got the heart of othran um you would have got the relic that the illuminated were looking to get because it had a connection to the plane of earth and they were trying to break that dimension effectively as they'd done with the plane of fire now rogar had a secret mission that you all eventually learned that he needed that heart and he was going to deliver it to Melkarak, our illuminated in charge and i think this was where we were ultimately heading towards the potential split in the party right so he had a mission that very directly uh worked against you guys when it would finally come to a head and i didn't know what he was going to do i didn't know if he would turn against the party or stay with you or maybe half turn and just leave because i think he had that in mind that maybe he'd leave and bring in dick fate as another character to stay with the party mm. um so originally obviously if rogar's not dead and the the three of you go through the trials you get the heart your next stop will obviously be ganaran because you want to stop what's going on he wants to bring the heart there so he's you're going to probably take it with you maybe you can stop what they're doing with the heart it has power it has abilities it's, it's a key component in their ritual maybe you can use it to corrupt it or stop it or whatever and you would have learned a few other things as well along the way because there is stuff in ganaran not so much secret as tommy saw a vision of a giant mountain-like giant creature attacking black cross fortress and i believe vathrun told you all that originally othrin had more stuff that he used to wage his wars and from the plane of earth he was given this gigantic mountain rock monster basically and the heart of othrin could have been used to power it so we may have had a very different ending if depending on where you went um but to pull the veil back a little bit the things that were going on there obviously there's a giant army that you guys would have had to kind of sneak past or maybe fight your way through or cause some distractions there's morin hall and his cult of uh basically corrupted uh stone giants there's the demons who you didn't get to see too much of because their leadership was all up in Ganaran, but they were working very hard to summon Yinogu through. And uh. they were doing that at Ganaran. And part of it would have been could you guys disrupt that ritual or would you even let it happen to maybe not so much gain an ally, but perhaps stop whatever the Illuminated were trying to do to make sure that Yinogu was under control? It always going to kind of come to a head there of what you would do. And obviously, Melkarak is there, and you would have had a bit more of interaction with him and trying to stop him as the ultimate kind of leader of the giants and the demons and everything else going down. There's also the giant leadership. You'd either probably try fight them or maybe talk sense to them. 
and get them to stop what they were doing, see that they'd been lied to and corrupted. Perhaps if you defeated Morinhal, that would be possible. And then, yeah, I kind of expected the final fight would go down probably with you guys versus Melkorak. Or if Rogar turned on the party, perhaps we had a slightly different finish where maybe he gives the heart to Melkorak. Melkorak goes off to do the ritual and you end up doing some sort of fight against Rogar or maybe Dragon Rogar or something like that. I obviously got all those details in place, but that was kind of where my brain was going. That maybe that would be the fracturing at the party and you guys not on Team Evil would obviously try escape and you'd get to witness the ritual firsthand and Rogar would obviously go with his people and that would be kind of the the break we had. That was kind of where I was going. So basically Ganarum was like a big dungeon. That was kind of the finish of it. That's pretty I cool. I wonder if um, Bunko would have gone or Rogar would have gone with them. Really don't yeah, know. I think, yeah, I mean, I think he because probably would have. It, yeah, he's played it that he would have. Of course, he, yeah. But it, but it was, it was interesting that what you know, he, he did always have our back, kind of our back up until the point that he wouldn't, and that was, mm. yeah, you know, he, he worked against us, but he never kind of n- never actively never yeah. against us specifically mm. at least as far as we were aware of anyway mm. um so i think yeah i i mean i i guess there's a there's a chance we'll get we'll, we will end up going there at some point although their ritual has been completed so mm. i don't know they might m- move i mean yeah they've done what they need to do and like the place that we probably will go to if we ever do go there, it's going to be more hostile, bigger, better. And yeah. so will be hopefully. But we'll be coming at it with hopefully some allies, or at least um, at least a better understand, at least a better yeah. a better understanding of what we're coming up against. Because um, I think oh, I, I think we 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 do have we do have some some skills we are still very potent round to round in combat but we've been shown that we're not quite as powerful as we think we are um in our little scuffle in the plane of air yes uh, the front of arc three mm. yeah. we are we are not as kind of you know we, we've always dominated combat quite well as a party and that did have a, an element of because Rogar was very, very solid in combat. Mm. Um, and so was Solara. Yeah. And even um, the awful was there to help us get advantage. Yeah. He was, he was, he was, he was never, he was, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, the, the, Tommy's kind of equivalent of like a familiar. Mm. Really, he 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 could he could do a bit of damage, but he was never gonna finish the fight. He was really yeah. there. He was there. He 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 was a speed bump for the enemy. He could get in the way. He could do a bit of damage, um, not a huge amount, but a bit. And yeah, he give us advantage when we need him to. So he was a really, you know, he, kind of kind of as you would use a um, use a robotic friend. You'd you'd get him into just stabbing the creature you're fighting in the back. Or you'd send him off to go and help out one of your friends who's looking like they're going to get overwhelmed. You know, he was he was just an extra body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't you notice all the wazzes. I don't like yeah. it. Well, that was the uh, the fun yet to come of Arc 3, I suppose. 
It's uh yeah. So that was Arc Two. It was a a ride. <laughs> definitely went yeah. differently than I think any of us expected, yeah. and yeah, took you out of Varadin and kind of opened the world up to you, hopefully successfully, and gives you more things to do and more areas to go see, and really shows you where the kind of end game of this campaign is pointed. How we get definitely. there is uh, up in the air. Definitely, definitely. I think I mean, you, you know, don't know, you... Erkuxen, do you? It, things keep changing so much. Things will change a lot. I I know what my main villain's plans are, I think is the way to mm. say it, right? So yeah, I know yeah, what yeah. they want to do. Yeah. And yeah. what you guys do to get in the way or hamper or even stop yeah. some of their plans will obviously change it. Mm-hmm. I have ideas in my head of what that final battle and confrontation looks like, but it might be wildly different by that point. You know, yeah. like, I mean, we, we've already seen visions of a fight that isn't going to happen because it contained Rogar. Yeah. Um, unless, yeah, unless something else changes drastically. Um, so we've already kind of there's already been versions, and I guess this is the kind of the case with, you know, they, they, we always talk about in like time to, time travel stories and stuff don't you about how, how little actions change big actions and that's never really more apparent i guess than when you're dming and your party makes little actions that have ramifications much much further down the line that completely change what you thought was going to happen indeed indeed very, yeah. very different and i think that's to me that's part of the fun of it like if you're writing a book or a short story or something, it's very structured, right? Like even if you do like discovery-based writing where you sort of just write a character and see where it goes, I think uh-huh. everyone kind of has a structure they want to stick to like because you need to build on themes and plot points and hooks and kind of drag a reader through a path and a journey and adventure or whatever. But with D&D, it's more you put the skeleton out there, but that skeleton has to shift and bend and weave to what your players do because it's it's almost like collaborative writing in a sense like you're all writing bits of this plot and the dm kind of has to fit it all together and make it uh, work almost so it's fun it's a very different way to build a story but i, I really like it it's very uh it, it flexes your creative muscles a lot because the things you have to think upon the fly or Sometimes someone will mention something, and you're like, oh, you know, that is cool, and that makes more sense than what I was thinking. Let's go with that instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's it it particularly it's particularly hard but rewarding when you do such a long campaign like this as well. Um, like the the, the 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 beauty of one shots in a way is that they are a little bit more on rails. They can go a little bit more off. T- they can go off tangent, but they're quite short and sweet. Whereas with something like this, there are so many, you know, we, it's not it's not Game of Thrones, but it's kind of like that. There are so many threads out there. There's so many yeah. characters with all but these different motivations that you that that, that that then you know you, you as a DM uh, kind of you can bring people back into it. You can bring characters and threads back in, and it, and it all sort of ties things together really nicely. And it doesn't it doesn't always work maybe how you planned it to do, but there's always there's kind of almost infinite options of where we can go, and there's all yeah. these people, there's all these people we've met, all these interesting characters that may may again crop up, or may not, and that's that's also why D and D's a little bit more like life in a sense, in that when you write a story, it's bad story writing if you introduce a character or a plot point that never goes anywhere. Mm. You know, it's 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 the kind of thing that that people on forums pick up on and say there was this whole like mini arc that kind of started to go somewhere and then ended. 
why did that happen? And that's because in real life, that's exactly what happens. You get involved in some small part of someone else's greater tale of their lives, and it carries on without you. You never see them mm. again. You know, in a, in a story, it's not very satisfying, but in D and D, it is because the main story is still going on, and that's still satisfying you. And these these ancillary characters, maybe they're not important ever again. You know, they're just people you met on the way, or maybe they do come back. Maybe 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 there is a kind of satisfying conclusion to it, but it doesn't have to be. It's more mm. more dynamic than that. You know, in, and there isn't supposed to be a plan, so no one's holding you to bad story writing because you introduced like what looked like it was going to be Chekhov's gun and turned out it wasn't because the players didn't go down that route. Mm, yeah. You know? I bet there's loads of characters you've introduced that you thought would be quite pivotal that we haven't actually seen again because it's not come up. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely been some. I mean, there's some that I've even tweaked slightly because I've realized they don't work in the way I was planning and it doesn't really affect from like a listener or from you guys playing point of view, like... I've changed things that I thought, you know what, actually, this isn't going to go the way I want it to. So let's let's scrap this little bit of story that I was thinking of. And yeah, like there's always changes going on and always things that you're like, OK, let's drop this person. Let's bring this person back. Let's check up on them. I quite enjoyed like when we did the scrying, like checking in on a bunch of threads, because I think we we hit a lot of big ones that did have important information going on. And some that were even smaller, like when you checked in on the Watcher, I was a bit like, oh, yeah, OK, I know what she's doing and what's going on there. But it's interesting that you guys are going to see a little bit of that that maybe wouldn't have come back for a very long time. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's always uh, always curious. Yeah, it's, I mean, that that that, that sort of and, and we, we call it interdimensional cable, don't we? That mm-hmm. that little little moment in there, we, we had so many options. I mean, we, we really milked it. Um, and I hope it wasn't like boring for the audience i i don't think it was but i i mean we, we spent a long time there because i think we had so many that was the, the example really of all those threads we had and we did we didn't we didn't touch on kind of half the people we could have done we just we, well yeah but <laughs> but there are there are still quite a lot of people we've we've encountered outside who, who may be pivotal in the story who we, we didn't even think of at the time well, or maybe just a you know interesting characters that we haven't haven't really touched on but we did we i think we 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 tried to get almost everyone we could think of and i think that was that was really good because mm. it gives a gives a huge number of kind of different threads again to pull out a little bit and see what's going on yeah really interesting in, so, in, I... in, in a, yeah so in, in a law friendly way as well because that's really the only way you can do something like that hmm yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I enjoy writing, and I, this is probably evident. I quite like writing ridiculously complicated things um, <laughs> and having four million bits of lore just flying around because no. I have a lot of ideas, and I like to slam them all together as best I can. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy writing this, and even though we've been doing this for quite a while, it's still fun for me to come up with new ideas and see you guys play them, and then see what you guys do, and then kind of go back and forth off that. I still find that a lot of fun and I'm kind of glad that we still get that out of this. Cause obviously you could, you write something for so long, you're worried you might get bored of the world or the characters or what you're doing with it. But no, I still, I still enjoy it a lot. So I'm, I'm glad that's still the case. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys look forward to arc three and all the fun that's going to go on there. Nope. Basically <laughs> aliens, wizards and vampires. Oh my, as it is <laughs> currently uh, going, but uh, yeah, 
those horrors await and we'll see where it goes because i think by the end of arc three you guys will probably be in very different positions that's assuming you're still playing the same characters which is always the question one has to tackle <laughs> I, 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 have, I have to say that there, there, there is always that the best way to ensure your own character survival is to have a character waiting in the rings that you'd actually like to play as <laughs> Uh, if, that's if, the if, thing. If, I'm, if, I'm using it as a thing. I'm like, I'm not writing someone up because, because then that gives cooks an, an opportunity. So, so you're taking you're taking the opposite to me, are you, Flay? Like yep, you're, you're going, definitely. you're going. I don't have another character because that that'll just make that'll that'll tempt fate too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, then we're, we're... he will get told off. Then we'll have to pause for a very long time while I think up a new character, and that will be <laughs> his own fault. <laughs> Whereas, whereas, whereas my thinking is, is completely opposite. It's, it's if I'm going into every situation thinking, oh, I've got another character out there I want to play as, then then Tommy will survive. If I was if I was sitting in your situation, I'd be worried. I'd be worried. Uh... I'd be thinking, I, I don't have another character I want to play as. I'm going to be gutted if Tommy dies. I mean, I'm still going to be gutted if Tommy dies, but I, I do have another character sitting there. No, but I have my own vengeance on Cookson. <laughs> that is what is keeping Sophia alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I'd worry if I was Sophia with the stuff that's coming up. Is all I can oh, say. my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so much parental trauma. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, this is, you know, the last arc was uh, Tommy's bad day. Um, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Sophia's. Yeah. Fun times ahead, and I think this recap has gone on long enough. Hopefully, new listeners have enjoyed this, and you get to see what went on in Arc 2, in case you don't want to go through every single episode. Check out the ones we mentioned, though, like the bits we said were our favorites. I still really love going back to listen to Blood Home and things like that. I think the Shimmering River camp was a lot of fun. And yeah, the whole thing was good times. I think we had a lot of fun throughout the whole arc, and yeah, we're, uh, Arc 3 has already started, so uh, catch up with that, too. And, uh, yeah, well, I think we should just say goodbye and uh, end this incredibly long episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, we're going to knock this out in less than an hour. Easy. Oh, yeah. No worries. Yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> Super easy. I mean, you uh, two just kept talking, for fuck's sake. Uh, what can I say? I like talking about D&D. Yeah, I like the sound of my own voice. Yeah. So, yes, we know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note yes on that note we'll see you in two weeks time enjoy arc three goodbye everyone bye, bye.